where I wish they had gone yeah. was I yeah. wish they had made references to the beginning of the Foot Clan. There was a podcast called the Sequel Cast that talked about movies. Movies. And they also talked about something else called boobies. Boobies. It's the Sequel Cast. Oh yeah, the Sequel Cast. It's the Sequel Cast. www.sequelcast.com Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast. This is your host, Uncle Milkshake. The sequel cast is a show where you look at movies in a franchise, one movie at a time. We're in the middle at looking at the uh, Ninja Turtles movies, and this week we're looking at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Uh, on some releases, it is called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. It is directed by Stuart Gillard, and uh, written by Stuart Gillard as well. With me is uh, Thrasher. Howdy, howdy, folks. Long and, time no listen. And uh, BJ. Ohio Wasabi. So, this movie came out in 1993. And to give you an idea of, um, you know, compared to how it did compared to some of the other Ninja Turtles movies, the uh, original Ninja Turtles movie, uh, I believe it came out in 1990, uh, was like the number five in the box office in the United States. Ninja Turtles 2 came out like a year later in 91. And that was like number 13 in the box office. And Ninja Turtles 3, the year that one came out in 93, which was the same year as stuff like Jurassic Park, Mrs. Doubtfire, Free Willy, Schindler's List, uh, was like number 34 in the U.S. box office. One of those films was not like the other. Yeah, uh, Schindler's List had a decided lack of turtles, unlike all the other films. Um <laughs> But it, it, was, it was something that had a production budget of $21 million, and at least the domestic gross was $42 million, and I'm sure in video it did well. So it was, it, it was a disappointment, but it wasn't something where I think it lost money right away, at least looking at those numbers. I don't have international gross to look at. That was based off box office mojo. But um, anyway, Ninja Turtles 3, yeah, it's the Ninja Turtles uh, going back to samurai times to feudal Japan. Uh Thrasher, when was the first time you saw this film? Well, like all the uh, Ninja Turtle films, I saw this in the theater. I think, I, I know it was an opening weekend. It was probably the following weekend. But I remember seeing it in the theaters, and I really enjoyed it at the time. And in fact, uh, uh, after this film was released, a, uh, a VHS box set of all three Ninja Turtles movies was released. And uh, my family got one of those box sets. And of the three movies, I think this is the one that I watched the most. Uh, it's it's certainly not the best of the three movies, but it is the most watched, only because uh, I have a real weakness for time travel movies. I love time travel, so hey, I love seeing the Turtles time travel. And I also really like that they, they, they took it into, uh, into feudal Japan. I love the setting. Well, what about you, BJ? Uh, I saw it actually... Um... When it came on VHS, I got the VHS for Christmas that year. Hmm. Uh, for me, okay. this was... Oh, Just go on. Do you have anything else to say, BJ? Or uh, well, You know, I, I think the biggest thing, you were talking about Turtles in Time that, that disappointed me, is I think, wasn't it the same year that was the, the Super Nintendo game that was uh, Turtles in Time? It was around the same time. That was like based on the second arcade game where the Turtles went through like caveman times and Wild West times. 
Oh, that was a great right. game. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I think that was the biggest disappointment for me is that it was not more like the game with a you know with the way they were time traveling. Yeah, it looks like that Super Nintendo game came out in '92, so this came out one year later in '93. So yeah, it's around the same time. Yeah, for me, um, actually, the first time I've seen this movie all the way through was for this episode of the sequel cast. Even though I loved the Ninja Turtles uh, as a kid, I did not rent this for whatever reason or see it in the theater. And I tried to watch it before this point, but could never make it through the whole thing. But I did watch the entire movie um, for the sequel cast. So this isn't a film I'm extremely familiar with. And uh, I think, Thrasher, the thing you brought up is a good point we can start on before really getting into the plot. You know, say what you will about uh, Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze, which we covered last week. Ninja Turtles 3 tried something different. It didn't try to have, oh, the Turtles fighting the Foot Clan and the Shredder again. They went to a different time period, feudal Japan. It tried something different. You know, it, it might not be um, a masterpiece, but it was trying it was to be a, a little bit creative with its concept. It was a very worthy experiment and very daring for for a franchise like this. I actually, um, I like it. I wasn't, I wasn't with you for Ninja Turtles 2. Right. You see a definite progression from Ninja Turtles 1 to Ninja Turtles 3 from going from the serious comic book side more and more to the cartoon style. Mm-hmm. I mean, something I noticed a lot more in Ninja Turtles 3 than the second one is you have a lot of pop culture references. Uh, oh, whether God. whether the Ninja Turtles are going like, oh, this is just like Shogun, or, oh, it's a quantum leap, or um, I, I don't know what else. Uh, they're dancing to the song Tarzan Boy in an arcade. Uh yeah, that that song has a strange presence in this movie because wasn't wasn't that song uh, a relic of the nineteen eighties? Let me look that up. Um, you know, I recall Tarzan Boy use, being used a lot in the movie uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. But um, yeah, what is it? What is it about a song about a guy later. in the jungle in South America that that crosses over? With the movies about samurai and ninjas. The song Tarzan Boy originally came out in uh, 85, but then was re-recorded in uh, 93. And um, it's been re-recorded, um, you know, different times since then. So I have no idea, nor do I really care, you know. I mean, the version in this film sounds like the same version in Beverly Hills Ninja. I'll give you that much. I think so. I think it's the second record. It's entirely possible they used it because it was in Ninja Turtles 3. It's a catchy song. I like that song now. Uh, I liked it as a kid a lot. I mean, it I used to be. It actually, it used to be in the Listerine commercials where they would have the bottle of Listerine swinging through a jungle <laughs> for some reason. Okay, it's anything to get people to use mouthwash. Yeah, not hey, makes your breath better. No, Tarzan, a man who probably never brushes his teeth because there are no toothbrush plants in South America. I did notice in the credits when it mentions Tarzan Boy that the people that uh, performed that song got the rights from the Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, family estate, the people that, you know, wrote the Tarzan novels. No, the person who wrote the Tarzan novels. The person, but you know, it's the estate, so the estate is more than one people. I mean, to go up on a tangent, the uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs with Tarzan, you know, that was one of the earliest examples of a creator of a property being involved in marketing where he developed his own Tarzan movie separate from some of the Hollywood stuff at the time. And you had like Tarzan ice cream treats and, and all this crap like way back then. Tarzan was was heavily marketed, but that's only because 
it was such a success. I mean, John Carter, not, not I'm sorry, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs did burst onto the, the pulp scene with the John Carter of Mars, but he achieved worldwide worldwide fame with Tarzan. It just exploded. And there was like dozens of Tarzan novels written by him too. I mean, oh yeah. So he, he was he was uh, amazingly prolific. Audience, do yourselves a favor, read some Edgar Rice Burroughs. I'm actually going through the John Carter of Mars novels right now. They are astounding. You cannot tell. Not only can you not tell that they were written for the pulps, you can't tell that that John Carter was his first novel. I will say, if you, I haven't read John Carter, I've read, um, I think, one or two of his Tarzan novels. And I, I would say, if you're approaching it, just keep in mind of when it was written, because you might be offended by how some Africans are portrayed. Yeah, it's a lot like going to Lovecraft in that way. There's a lot of outdated uh, racial attitudes. But right, or, that's, or Huckleberry Finn or whatever, but that's of the time. Well, well that's, 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 something, that's something different. I don't think Mark Twain really bought into any of that racism. It's just that's the way people talked, and he was a very yeah. realistic about the way people spoke. Although that has nothing to do with Ninja Turtles traveling through time, unless, of course, they traveled back in time to post-Civil War America. Which also, which would have been great if they made multiple jumps and not just Japan. That's a good point. We also got to consider the budget of these movies. You're paying, you got to develop these costumes. And, and this one, right off the bat, it does not have costumes from the uh, Jim Henson's uh, Creature Shop, like the first two uh, live-action Ninja Turtles movies did. And the costumes aren't as good. You, you can see the, the mouth movements and the eye movements aren't as intricate. But I don't think these costumes are, are crap necessarily. I think they're okay. They're not bad costumes. They're just not as good as the previous costumes, which is weird. You think they could have wrangled the use of the previous costumes. Their eyes are a bit buggier, but I don't mind that. It makes their eyes a bit more expressive. However, their mouths do remind me a little too much of a, a beaks. And I know turtles they have different ones too. But Ninja Turtles don't have beaks. Like they have significant differences in their facial structures this time. Well, when it's a different costume in all three of these of the live-action movies, they even did redesigns between one and two. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I noticed with the mouth movements, too, it's like the, the mouth just flaps open and closed a lot of the times. There's not... They could do... It seems like they could do a lot more expressions in the, uh, in the older films. But I think these costumes certainly get the job done. They probably had to stay within budget for considering all the armor and what have you they had to produce as well. Well, that's true, right. You're mentioning the time travel stuff, and since it's a period piece of sorts, um, you know, with the feudal Japan stuff. And the movie begins, uh, surprisingly enough, not right off the bat with Ninja Turtles, but in feudal Japan in 1603 with um, a chase in the woods of a samurai chasing a, a man with a mask on horseback. You know the the opening bothers me right away. Yeah, because they have to tell me that it's 1603 in Japan, but they don't tell me when we scoot forward into the 90s in New York. It doesn't say it doesn't say 1993. No, I don't think it says, <laughs> it's like yeah. just start it out. Just give me the plain old, you know. Here's the samurai. You know, don't give me a, don't tell me when it is, and don't and then not tell me when we're changing times. Mm, yeah. It worked in Back to the Future. We didn't have to go, hey, it's 1950-something now. Well, that's because we knew where the time machine had been programmed to previously. Well, with this beginning, it's extremely short. I don't believe there's any dialogue, but you see uh, the masked man gets captured by the samurai, 
but the woman doesn't get captured. She kind of absorbs what's happening from afar. And the samurai, or in the uh, the man with the mask on, is carrying this uh, scepter. No, he doesn't have that yet. He doesn't have the scepter yet. No, no, I was, I was actually just no, they, they find the scepter. Oh, okay, they find it later. I thought that was in the. He gets, he gets dragged back to the to the daimyo's uh, place, and he throws a tantrum like a little spoiled rich prince boy. He throws open a statue, and the scepter falls out. But before that happens, it opens to the Ninja Turtles dancing in uh, in Manhattan in their in their sewer uh, headquarters. They're, they're blowing off some steam. And in this one, April O'Neil is played by Paige Turco, who played her in the second Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, I think she's prettier than the actress that played her in the first movie, personally. Although she yeah. has short hair, and April O'Neil had longer hair in the other two movies. So that struck me as a bit weird. She's going for a Michael Jackson look with the leather jacket and the hat. Hey, it's New York. you got to update your style. <laughs> I actually really do like her uh, better as April O'Neil in, the, uh, in these two than the first one. I, she kind of she looks much younger. She looks younger, and um, she just seems to be a bit more uh, loose with it. Looks like she's having fun. She's very appears very relaxed in the role. Um, and it's, I can believe that the turtles are actually hitting on her when she's you know <laughs> much hotter. Yeah. <laughs> and and she brings the turtles these uh, a bunch of presents from local shops, and one of them is a is a weird Japanese uh, scepter. I believe she refers to it as an ancient Japanese egg timer. Why you would think that'd be an egg timer, I don't know. Well, I I think she's being sarcastic. I, I think she's saying, I don't know what to call it. There's an hourglass in it. I'll just joke that it's a ceremonial egg timer. Sure, egg timers are hilarious. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a weird joke, but... But, yeah, as you're saying, BJ, it goes back to Japan, and you have the guy captured is Kenshin, who's the son of the daimyo, Lord Nuranaga, who um, I think is that name supposed to be a take on Nobunaga, who was a, a Japanese. Uh, I'm not sure if he was a, a daimyo or, or, or what what he was. He, he was the warrior the who reunited Japan. Right, and I mean, a lot of this you uh, have kind of for this sort of a movie. I feel we have sort of a complicated storyline in the background of all the turtle stuff, in between the samurai and the English trading weapons to them. It reminds me a bit of uh, the storyline of The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise, or even a little bit of the Shogun miniseries. Well, it's all it's all based on stuff that actually happened, though. I mean, yeah. the only reason it's complicated is because human history is complicated, and because time travel stories are inherently have a complication. But as bad guys, do you really need this, the, the samurai and... You know, like a stuffy British guy and his pirate crew. I, I don't think know. The stuffy just... British guy is the real villain. I don't, I don't see that. I mean, That's the... exactly why there's a stuffy British guy, so we can have a bad guy with a British accent. <laughs> it's, it's just required in action films. <laughs> he kind of reminds me a lot of, uh, of Mr. Silver from Karate Kid 3. You just really want to dislike him. And he was dumping a Britain's toxic waste in feudal Japan. And he had long hair, sleazy long hair and uh, funky-looking clothes, <laughs> pretending to be good people's friends. Wow, it's the same guy. The same guy as what? He's the same as uh, as Terry Silver from uh, Karate Kid 3. Oh, he's not the same actor, but... No, no, but it's, a, it's the same character. Right. And um, You know, maybe he's one of the immortals from Highlander. He looks like he could be a, a, a Highlander, yeah. 
Definitely. Cut his hair off. He might. He might look a little bit like Sean Connery. <laughs> that could very well be the case. So, in this stuff, Kenshin stumbles across this uh, scepter, and stuff starts happening. And April's holding the scepter in uh, present day at the Ninja Turtles' uh, headquarters, and she gets transported. <laughs> whatever, and uh, and the way this. Um, this thing works is who's ever holding it, you know, the bodies change, but they change to the other person's clothes, which I think is kind of strange. Well, well, it's, it's like Terminator rules where for no reason whatsoever, only organic material can go back in time, which is why the body of the person holding the scepter travels back in time, but the clothes don't. But yet April O'Neil's Walkman goes back in time. Well, that's because it's a Walkman and it's advanced technology. I see. So it, it's indistinguishable from a living being. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, it's it's as Donald Hill points out. Uh, it runs uh, the the time the time travel runs on, on on equal mass displacement. Whatever you send through time, an equal amount of mass must come back. So obviously, the Walkman makes up the difference. The obviously <laughs> guy the guy from ancient Japan weighs one Walkman more than April O'Neil, and that's where the Walkman. <laughs> Remember, he had his sword. Oh. And those Walkmans that, were pretty hefty back then. They were pretty big devices. They used tapes and not CD players. Yeah, at the time, sure. Now, of course, now we use MP3 players and various pods. I've still seen people on the bus using portable CD players. I mean, those things are much larger in size than the portable tape players. but Only to necessitate the CD. Oh, yeah. But, um... Anyway, April and Kenshin flip-flop... In time, so Kenshin's in present day and sort of shocked. Being Is flip-flop a uh, scientific term, Uncle Milkshake? Uh, yes. <laughs> Comes from the Latin root. So, But yes, yeah, so April is now in the past. A guy from ancient Japan is in the modern day. Looks like the turtles are going to have to mount a rescue mission. And I think it's a bit weird all four turtles go back in time to rescue one person, April O'Neil. They're they- a team. Well, but couldn't they send one turtle? That seems like a big waste of manpower. Maybe they could send Splinter, because him being so old and a student of history, he would function better in ancient Japan. Um, no, I think it it really is a team thing. And then there's also, you know, they've cleaned up New York. There's no more Foot Clan. You know, they're probably getting bored and stir-crazy. That's what they were blowing off all their energy dancing at the beginning. That, uh, yeah, that could be the case. But uh, all four turtles go back in time and they switch place for um they're supposed to end up switch place with monks in a uh in the temple in part of the temple but for some reason because of where the scepter is they change the place with the uh, like these guards these soldiers yeah with the royal guard and uh, I I do think it's pretty neat you have the ninja turtles with the samurai armor and part of the mask covers part of their uh their face and I think that's kind they, of a neat look they look great and also, you can't see the bad mouth movements on the animatronics. So in a lot of ways, it is an improvement. I actually really like the, that they've made Kappa references. As far as I can tell, at this time, uh, that kind of reference, especially in the Japanese animation we were getting over here, was not very proper. Yeah, actually, this, this film is what introduced me to the concept of Kappa. I actually after seeing this film, did a little research, and that was my first, that led to my first real exposure to Japanese mythology. So in the movie, they reveal the Kappa when um, Walker, the British guy, and uh, Norinaga, the Japanese um, 
ruler, they're looking at this ancient scroll that shows, uh, I guess, a legend of Ninja Turtles that had come before, I guess. Or they're, they're copper demons, right? Yeah, they're, uh, they're, I'm not sure, well, I guess in the mythology, I think technically Kappa aren't demons, but for the purposes of the movie, yes, yes, they're demons. I think it just comes down to translation, is that the easiest way for us to translate some of the words they would use for Kappa is demon. Mm, yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's a pretty clever touch, uh, and... I went to, I've talked about this in the show before, but I went to Japan with some friends uh, like five or six years ago now. It would be six years, I guess. And uh, one of the places I went to was a village called Tono, and it was a little village where they basically, uh, they had shrines to Kappa all over the place. And mm-hmm. uh, the Kappa is a little Japanese um, thing from mythology. It's a, it's a green imp. And it looks kind of like a turtle. Yeah, kind of like a turtle. And, have a shell, and they have... have statues around the village of Tono that um, look, some look cute, some look horrific, almost like creatures from the uh, Dark Crystal or something. And uh, there's stories about them that, you know, they steal pregnant women's babies. And there's also stories about how, oh, they're just impish and like to make a mess of things. Aren't they silly? But even the Internet Cafe in Tono had a cartoon drawing of a kappa using the Internet. And there was a whole museum uh, with these kind of, you know, with ancient kappa drawings or statues. It was really quite a weird, uh, cool place to go to. So if you're in Japan, it's out of your way. But if you have a train pass or something, I'd recommend going there. Like, no one there speaks English. Because it's Japan. No, in a lot of Japan, a lot of stuff is bilingual. But in that place, it's not really, except for the train station. The name of the stop is bilingual. But anyway, I think that they refer to the Ninja Turtles as kappa when they see him in Japan is a pretty clever touch. They don't continue that throughout the movie, and I thought maybe they could have met an actual Kappa in the movie. That might have been weird. But they, well, they don't go anywhere with it. Well, I think it works, though, cause, and it does, it does serve a useful purpose in the story. Because whenever a Japanese person sees them, it's not, oh, freaking mutant turtles! What the hell's going on? Panic, panic, panic! It's, oh, Kappa. Well, I'm impressed by that. One thing in the movie that I think is kind of weird is they rescue April fairly early on, but they can't go back right away because Michelangelo gets split up and uh, gets taken to a village. And after they rescue April, they run into a a character called Wit, who is played by the same actor that plays Casey Jones, Elias Cateas. And um, he just has a beard. And short hair. And, And short hair. But, I mean, I think it's really weird you have the same actor playing both parts, because they don't... The characters aren't really that much alike, other than April is attracted to both of them. Oh, actually, I think it's supposed to be a reference to maybe this is a, an ancestor of Casey's. Could possibly it be. It could be, but they never get into that. It's not like he picks up a... There wouldn't be a hockey stick in Japan. So you're not a kid. So. Yeah. Although, actually, speaking of Casey Jones... Of course, there's there's five Japanese guys from the past now in modern-day New York. How do they take care of them? April's not there. They get Casey Jones to babysit these guys, and he starts taking them around modern New York, where they listen to Tarzan Boy and play in arcades. But most of the time, they just stay in the Ninja Turtles uh, hideout and watch hockey on TV or eat snack food. They like, like hockey. It. They really... I, I mean, the whole conceit of having them transport back in time and have other people transport to present day, you could have done a bit more with that, and they just sort of 
make the uh, the samurai in modern day appear as buffoons and, and and idiots and very weak comic relief. And Casey Jones doesn't have a lot to do either. It's glad they have the same actor and he comes back. But uh, at least they brought him back and he didn't just totally disappear from the face of the earth, like in like in number two. Right. I mean, that was that was a really weird part of number two, considering. How it's much? almost like number two was a different timeline from all the others. <laughs> it was pre-crisis continuity. This movie is post-crisis. Yeah, maybe. I, God, I, I still don't even know how to put that. But right, it's so it's nice to have Casey Jones back. But I mean, it's to, it's for what point? You have the samurai and um, in weird underwear, or weird you know t-shirts and jeans, liking but hockey. Just, you couldn't bring in anybody new. You couldn't bring in like. Since this one's going very cartoon-like, you couldn't bring in the girl that was always helping April in the cartoons. Oh, Irma. Irma. Yeah, like you couldn't bring her in because she's got no bases in the movies already, so they just got Casey Jones because the guy. Well, it also could have been a rights issue. As I as I understand it, these movies were technically based on the comic book, which means they couldn't have used characters from the animated series. They could only use characters for, that all, that were in the comic book or characters of their own creation. Uh, I mean, and also you could have had a scene where they went to a history museum in New York and maybe they would see a samurai exhibit and be offended at how inaccurate it is. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I guess that's not a great idea, but. Well, I guess, I guess if they did that, that would mean a huge stretch of the film where we're not seeing the Ninja Turtles. We'd be watching a strange parallel movie. My point is they could have done the time travel without the conceit of uh, having, you know, a body be in present day in place of the people in feudal Japan. That's, I think they can actually give Donnie a chance to be a tech head. So when he goes and figures out how it works and everything, we don't, we haven't really been able to see that in the, in the movie so far. And it's like the big, especially when he starts playing with that radio. Oh my God, it's got vacuum tubes, you know? Thrasher? Well, yeah, I, th- I think, I think the whole, equal mass displacement thing. It's just to it's to cut down on even further exposition so that they there doesn't have to be a lengthy explanation of how they're gonna get back to their proper time. Oh mass display, we'll just swap them back, you know. If they hadn't done equal mass displacement, there would be a lot of there would be a lot more tedious exposition explaining how they're gonna get to the right time in the past and then how they're gonna return to the right time in the future. Sure. Um so back to the Ninja Turtles in Japan, Woo-hoo. Michelangelo gets separated and gets, uh, you know, he, he meets up with the the woman from the beginning that was looking at Kenshin getting captured. Her name is Mitsu, and she takes him to her village. And this village is under attack by uh, by Walker, the British guy, and all his men who are all kind of like, I, I, I said, I call them pirates earlier. I don't even know if that's accurate, but they're... And maybe, they, I mean, they, they're either just his crew, or maybe they're some mercenaries he's hired. I mean, they're a rough bunch. They, you know, are, are dressed poorly. They Well, they're sailors. <laughs> they're sailors, yeah. They're not in the British Navy. No, no, certainly not. Uh, so, when you, you get... I mean, what do you think about the stuff in this movie with Michelangelo? Michelangelo he had, sort of has his own plot with Mitsu and with this boy named Yoshi. I kind of like it. I kind of like that we get to see one of the Ninja Turtles stand out. It is, but I think it would have been more interesting if it was like Raph, or Raph kind of has a moment where he, he quits being a hothead and, and starts to kind of look after this kid. 
Well, he was already a focus in the previous film. He got kidnapped. I mean, you're right, Thrasher. Raphael was a focus of the first two films. In the first film, all the stuff with him and Casey Jones. And yeah, the second one where he gets captured. It's always him being pissed off all the time that gets him in trouble. So, um, yeah, that they do it to Michelangelo, who's kind of like the, the surfer dude of the bunch. Well, he's the second most marketable. Uh, then after that would have been Leonardo, and then they wouldn't have even bothered with Donatello, which makes me upset. He was my favorite. Well, I think Michelangelo, or Raphael, was everyone's favorite, for the most part. You lie. Uh, I gotta go with Donnie on that. Donatello? Yeah. He does machine. Well, we're talking about our personal favorites. I, I guess... I guess he's making America warm up to Raphael. He was the most teenage of all. Yes. You know, the the thing that disappoints me with the whole storyline and the village and the kids and all, okay, so they named the kid Yoshi. Well, that could have been a reference to their, you know, Spruner's master, who was Amato Yoshi. Oh, yeah. But wrong time period there. That that would make Splinter, like, insanely old. They could have made it a relative of his old master, although I don't know... And he'd have but where I wish they had gone yeah, was I yeah. wish they had made references to the beginning of the Foot Clan. Well, oh. actually, I'm glad they didn't. I, I I like that they dealt with the Foot Clan. If they had, unless the movie was going to be about the origin of the Foot Clan, I feel that would have just been an empty way to tie it into the previous movies and retread old ground. And the thing is, if, if it was about the Foot Clan, the Turtles can't defeat the Foot Clan because the Foot Clan has to be there in the present. Well, I'm thinking, what if they had to help the Foot Clan? Hmm. Ah! It was, comes out of the people who were fighting against Norinaga. Yeah, what if it turns out they were helping the, uh, the villagers, and at the end of the movie there's some line of dialogue where it's like, thank you, you have helped us in our Foot Clan. And they're like, wait, wait a second. I mean, that's an awful example of dialogue. The o- but... only way I could see that working would be if, if, you know, the Foot Clan wasn't originally corrupt. It would be corrupted far on down the line. Yeah. But the turtles, but the turtles have to deal with the moral quandary of, well, we could help people who are innocent now, but it will be putting a greater evil into the world. I would, we maybe we could not help them, let these innocents be slaughtered, but then prevent all the horrible stuff the Foot Clan does in our own time. It would be interesting to see them grapple with those moral quandaries, but that might actually be too much for I this. I think that's more of a comic book style uh, storyline there. It's just because I think the audience this is aimed at, they wouldn't go that deep, as, as awesome as it would be to see that. Yeah, no, that's a real neat uh, idea you brought up, BJ. I mean... The thing with Ninja Turtles, uh, it reminds me a bit of Superman in the way. In, in, if you're just going from the movies, with Superman, you think of the main bad guys being Lex Luthor, and then off the top of the head, uh, what other Superman villains do you know? With Ninja Turtles, well, yeah, but with the Ninja Turtles movies, or that uh, property, off the top of your head, you just think of Shredder and the Foot Clan, and other than that, can you name that many you know main bad guys? Krang? The Rat King? Yeah, those oh, were the, most the Rat King was the greatest villain ever. Perhaps I'm not making a very good point. <laughs> uh, I agree. I agree with you, Elder <laughs> Milkshake. You're not making a very good point. I'm trying to say is that the Shredder is such a popular villain, once you've already done him, you know, every other villain you have just seems like poor imitations or bad leftovers. Yeah, yeah. You would have to find ways to raise the stakes with those villains. 
that's what I was trying to say in a very roundabout way. Uh, Which I think the only way to do that is to go back and, and deal with what makes the Shredder what the Shredder is. But hey, but in a way they do raise the stakes. I mean, the, sweat, the Shredder used punches, kicks, and blades. This British guy has a shitload of guns. He does and have I guns, but... like the level of violence in this one has gone up significantly. They use their weapons a whole lot more. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, compared to the second film, uh, they fight with their weapons more. In the second film, all the fight choreography was the turtles dodging out of the way so the ninjas could punch each other by accident. And... Uh, this one, you know, the, the choreography is a bit more energetic. I don't think it's quite as good as what was in the first movie. Um, I don't think Michelangelo uses his nunchucks, but you definitely see Leonardo use his sword. And it's not bloody or anything, but it's more satisfying in the action department. I, I, love, I love the scene where uh, Raphael throws his sigh and breaks the arrow that the, the chick's down <laughs> on her bow. Like, that's, that's pretty wicked compared to some of the stuff that we saw in number two. He would have, like, in two, he would have thrown it at the tree, and the tree limb would have fallen down next to her or something. Mm, yeah. Or would have smacked her in the head with a sausage, yeah. Th- that's a weird That's a weird thing, smacked her in the head with a sausage. <laughs> well, in, in the second movie, you had Michelangelo use, like, two sausages tied together with string as fake nunchucks. So that, that's well, that was, what I was some thinking. really comic relief, but yeah, you're right. I mean... Yeah, it's the it's the Ninja Turtles, so they should use their weapons. It's nice to see that again. But my main problem with uh, this Ninja Turtles three movie lack of vanilla ice. Number lack one, of lack of vanilla ice. Number two is uh, the pacing is just really slow. You have you know so much of the movie takes place with um, them trying to protect these villagers and saving the little kid and protecting the. Uh, Walker and his minions from attacking the village, but you really just don't, the villains aren't very threatening, you don't really give, or I, or I do not give a crap about what was happening. I think you're supposed to care more about them getting back in time, but they don't make it apparent enough that they're running out of time. They mention at the beginning there's like a 72 hour window, I think. It's but, like 60 hours. Yeah, and that's something I'm saying. That seems totally arbitrary and bizarre. Yeah. Like, that just seems like exposition to create false tension because, you know, their temporal inertia, they everyone's been in their present day for their entire existences, and then they get, sw- they get swapped, but they can't get swapped back after a time. How the fuck does that work? That is lazy <laughs> time travel physics. I think what you're saying is just a device. It's lazy physics as long as they follow up on it. As long as they make it, like, I love that, oh, like in, you know, like in Back to the Future, when he starts disappearing because of time travel paradox, mm-hmm. something like that where you get that reinforcement of, oh my god, if we don't, you know, we better not mess around with time so much. I do think it's a bit interesting towards the end where they have a little debate where some of them are not sure they want to go back to modern day uh, New York. You know, that is interesting because they do they do get to live openly as respected members of society in ancient Japan, if only because people think that they're Kappa, and they're able to do so much good in the public eye. I can see how that would be very attractive for the Ninja Turtles. And the village appreciates them, and it's a bit surprising one of them chooses not... Well, I mean, it's the Ninja Turtles, I guess they got to stay together, but if one of them would have stayed back, that might have been an interesting... Well, it would have prevented future sequels. Not really, because you could have had you could have had an actual turtles in time one where they gotta keep up, where they keep time jumping to try to get back and save their brother. 
because something happened to him back then. Like they, they're reading a history book about him being beheaded or something. <laughs> like you could have set up future sequels with it. It was made into soup for the Emperor of Japan. I mean, you do have kind of the escalation of the stakes with uh, Walker having as a cannon and using that as a weapon towards the end, but the ending of that first uh, live-action Ninja Turtles movie where the turtles go one-on-one against Shredder and that whole fight sequence is so gripping, so interesting. Nothing in this movie compares to that. Like, It would be, it's, would be hard for any movie to live up to that standard. Yeah. Yeah, when it, when somebody does a two and a half gator into the back, oh god, it's you, you can't beat it. Oh hey, I have a question. When did the when did the turtles find time to learn to master horseback riding? I can't imagine they did that in the sewers. Uh, it's part of it'd be part of their uh, samurai apparent samurai training because they certainly were not being very ninja like in there. You know, I um, think it's Splinter would have taught them a lot about history of Japan. And maybe they had a mechanical bull they could have practiced riding on hidden that, somewhere. That we didn't get to see. That you didn't get to see. That was never set up at all. It's, uh, you know, it's, it is. I was that must have been. excited to see that they, they didn't have Western saddles. Like, I was just expecting that the way things were going, that they would end up with the wrong kind of saddle on the horses. You know, I, I do think the uh, feudal Japan stuff, as far as the costumes and the sets, like, that stuff works. It doesn't look, it certainly doesn't look big budget, but it sells that period well enough. It doesn't look cheap. It looks, I don't know, fine. It look, I don't know. I, I love that they actually explain why the guys speak English. Do they? Yes. Like, Donnie has a, there's a whole sequence when Tension first shows up. And they go, oh, that's why he speaks English. Yeah, it's because the English... Oh, you're, colonizing, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, you're right. It, it does bother me that there are a few people in the castle that doesn't make sense that they can speak English, but they do. But then there's other people like the old man in the village who doesn't speak English at all. Like random guard number five can speak English. But village elder can't. And But the, the girl who's... But what's, what's it? Mitsu can speak English. It's a, a bit confusing at the end of the movie all the business you have with the scepter where they lose it and they try to get the blacksmith to build another one. But oh wait, <laughs> the child was hiding it all along. Because they wanted the turtles to uh, stay and protect the village, was that the logic behind that? I believe so. It does take it does bring in a kind of seven samurai angle once they want the uh, turtles to protect the village. In the loosest sense of the word, yes, but yeah. I, it's not often you hear Ninja Turtles three and Seven Samurai in the same sentence. Uh, but we managed to pull it off. We did. Um, yeah, we still have time left to talk about this movie, fellas. Uh, <laughs> It, there's not a whole lot to talk about it. It's as far as it goes, it, it's very much a, a more cartoony version of the uh, live action movies. I, well, I think it's enjoyable. I don't say it's the best, but I, I can still enjoy myself. You get a little laugh here and there. If, if I can say what what one or two things, I love it when 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 um, April is first back in time. And, of course, they think she's some sort of sorceress or witch or whatnot. They find her Walkman. And like they, they play, you know, mu- they hear it playing music, and they kind of panic. And she's like, "That was," a- and and you know, she doesn't want to destroy her Walkman because it's her Walkman. She of course wants to listen to music, but I just love that line where where you know when she realizes they think she's a witch. She's like, okay, look, I shrunk four incredibly hot guys and imprisoned them in that box. 
Hmm. I thought that was just a great, a great, cheesy but funny line. I, I love the scene where she's ripping her Hakama pants like off, and she's doing the leg thing, and the guys are going like, "Yeah!" <laughs> I, I I like that they actually have a more than just angsty teenager moment. They get the horny teenager moment. Oh, I also like uh, Donatello like busting out factoids when like somebody like insults one of the turtles. Like he called he called me dung, we, and Donatello's like, "We know it's not so bad. In many nations, dung is used as a fuel source." <laughs> and like, oh, many nations, dung is used as a fuel. Shut up. Um, I do want to point out the director and writer of this, Stuart Gillard. He has, um, you know, since this movie, done a lot of uh, things for TV, such as. I don't know. He, he directed a direct-to-video movie, a sequel to War Games called War Games: The Dead Code. He directed mm-hmm. The Cutting Edge Three: Chasing the Dream. Uh, he's done episodes of TV shows like Charmed, Poltergeist, The Legacy, uh, Lonesome Dove, the TV series. Um, not the miniseries, the TV show. But um, so he's he's done a lot of work, but not that much uh, theatrical movies. He 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 did do the theatrical movie Rocket Man. Starring oh, Harlan yeah. Williams. Yeah, Harlan Williams. Let's hop on the chuckle bus and take crab cakes to Cidertown. Come on now, won't you? Hey, yo, he's a great stand-up. I actually like that movie. It, it, it is kind of a guilty pleasure for me. It's definitely a guilty pleasure. I, I, I definitely laugh when watching it, but then I can't believe I watched it. And really... Well, I like that he keeps his sanity in an isolation test by putting on a puppet show. That's what I would do. I like how he used the, uh, the the tube paint to the tube food to paint uh, the mur- a mural on the spaceship. Oh yeah. I guess would would this be a good time to bring up the live action series? Actually, no. I just realized something that we have totally forgot about. Yes. The uh, the running gag of this movie, the wet willy, the turtles keep giving the wet willy <laughs> to this one guard. How and did like, we forget the wet It was the Smee type character who kept getting it. <laughs> yeah, he's like wet whatum. Oh yeah, really? It's really I. That's a fun. That's a good, a solid running gag. See, now we know where it comes from. It, they it, traveled it, back it, in time and created a causality for the wet. Did it for a British guy who eventually brought it back to Britain and used it to pick on some kids in the streets. I <laughs> oh, got a lot of time travel movies. Like, oh, that would have been a great storyline if they hadn't destroyed our Walkman, but just taken it. And, like, somebody, like, Mr. Sony keeps it, you know, as, as <laughs> One day, my ancient... Sony-san! Or better yet, if the song on the Walkman was Tarzan Boy, and we get to hear versions <laughs> of the like, 1600s to the modern day, and, like, it's hear an a ancient... Japanese, an ancient Japanese arrangement of Tarzan Boy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like... Then, like, one that was brought to America, so there's, like, a there's an Old West version of it, and, like, a Victorian chamber music version that the sailors brought back to, to Britain. Baroque with the, uh, with the harpsichord going on. <laughs> well, the piano had been invented by that point, I believe. And then you could have a joke later in the movie, where in present day, they're listening on the radio, and they hear a Tarzan boy, and the DJ says, this song based on an ancient Chinese melody. Ancient Japanese melody. Sorry, I, that's one of the that's <laughs> one of the things that bothers me is the female lead Mitsu. She's very Chinese. Mm, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming her, from with that. She really is. Like, well, she's a Chinese actress. 
And so it's just, it's just like memoirs of a geisha. Yeah, but yep. she did a whole lot better with her accent in that movie than. She's also you. in The Giver, starring Mark Hamill. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that in years. Oh yeah, she plays Mitzi Sagawa, doesn't she? Yep. Uh, we are gonna have to hit those movies <laughs> at some point. Movies yeah. that were made at this time in the in the eighties and nineties, they weren't as big on finding the actual Asian nationality of actors. Well, they still aren't. I mean, this this still happens today. And the example you're giving Thrasher about Memoirs from a Geisha, that's uh, a movie based on a book, you know, that, that's obviously all takes place in Japan, but all the actresses in the film, or the main actresses in the film are Chinese actresses, and that was a little bit of a controversy at the time. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's also not considered to be one of the most accurate of books. Well, and, and, and also, like, it, it still happens today, though. I mean, there, there's that, that uh, big-budget uh, live-action version of Akira. It's all going to be white guys. That's because it's just loosely Akira. It's not re- – just taking the premise it's, of Akira. And we'll, 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 see that, we'll see if it's that uh, live-action – like guys in Neo-Tokyo. It's 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 based on Akira in that they will have read the title Akira before they make the movie. I mean, we'll see if that movie actually gets off the ground. I'm kind of, they've been working on trying to do that as a live action American film for a while. So when I see set pictures or a trailer, I'll believe it. But listeners, if that movie does this Akira movie does get made, remember you can watch a movie ironically, but you can't purchase a ticket for a film ironically. Ninja Turtles anyway, three. You are see that movie. Read the read the at least read the first volume of the graphic novel. Oh, absolutely. Oh, the Akira graphic novel. It, I think it's like five or six volumes, and it's over a thousand pages long, and it goes oh, into it. much more detail the than the uh, anime. What? It's huge, but it's worth it. it it's flipped into American reading, um, like style. So oh, it's from... actually, it's hard to read because I'm trying to read it backwards. Well, it's, it's been long enough that I'm sure a revised edition is going to come out soon. Especially right, that's the edition I had to read at, uh, at school when I took the Intro to Graphic Design, or uh, Intro to Sequential Art. Hmm. So that's about five, what, five years now, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so Ninja Turtles 3, the past few episodes, we've covered the live-action films, and uh, listeners, next episode we're covering the... Uh, TMNT, the uh, CG animated film from 2007, and talking a bit about the video games and the cartoons and stuff. That's going to uh, be fun. I haven't seen it yet. I can't wait to watch it. Oh, you haven't seen the CG oh, I, animated I one? It. it is actually, of the movies, number one and TMNT are my favorites. Well, we'll get more into that uh, next week, but since we've been talking about these live-action films, I think we can all agree the uh, original live-action Ninja Turtles, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie directed by Steve Barron, is the best. But between Ninja Turtles uh, 2, Secret of the Ooze, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, out of those live-action sequels, which of those do you feel is more uh, successful? Well, one is the best, two is my favorite, which I'm upset I didn't get a chance to talk about, but, you know, another day. Uh, But three is my most watched. But which out I think of two? Go three as well. I think three. It stands because it's not a like a rehash of of Shredder. I I think that's one of the reasons I enjoy watching. See, I think I like uh, Secret of the Ooze number two better than number three. Even though number two, the tone uh, I think is a lot goofier, and um, it, it is kind of a rehash of the first one in, with the plot. 
But to me, that feels a lot more like the cartoon than this third one. And even though I appreciate in Ninja Turtles 3 that they went back to feudal Japan, I just think it's a real uh, wasted opportunity. They really blew their load on this one. You know, they could have done so much with the time travel concept. And instead, it just feels like a lame ripoff of Shogun with the Ninja Turtles, like, slapped in there. And uh, it doesn't seem especially well thought out. Mm. See, I definitely... I, I think that number two falls into this weird gray area of trying to still maintain some of the seriousness of the first one, but it doesn't go quite as cartoon as the third one. Yeah, and that's what. Uh, I, over time, I've grown to not like it as much. Number two used to be my favorite. Um, one thing we haven't touched on about this third Ninja Turtles movie is uh, all three live-action Ninja Turtles movies uh, have a different uh, voice cast, or it, it has some similarities. But three and uh, one both have Corey Feldman in the role of Donatello, and he was not in the second one. Oh yeah. But I, I don't. I don't think he's missed that much. Frankly, it's not something where. You could tell the difference unless you're paying attention. I but, could uh, when I was a kid. I can now. Yeah, Leonardo is played by the same actor, uh, Brian Tochi, in uh, all three films. And uh, Raphael and Michelangelo are different in all three movies. But I, I I could have that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's right. But I do think... I Ra- the difference between Raphael in the first movie and this one. And there's a different, definitely, like, Brooklyn accent, like, lack of the Brooklyn accent from the first one. Yeah, but in this third one, I think Raphael sounds better. He has more of the Brooklyn accent, and it's extremely toned down with uh, who they used in the second movie, uh, Secret of the Ooze. He sounds, but, I mean, that's something with Raphael where he, in all the incarnations, he always kind of has a Brooklyn accent. Maybe not in the um, 80s cartoon series, but in the movies and in the, uh, anima- the more recent animated series from 2002, Raphael had the Bronx accent, you know, to, and it, it helps get the idea that, oh, this is a tough turtle that doesn't, I don't know, that's pissed off. Doesn't take no guff when things get tough. You don't take no prisoners. Um, uh, there's a lack of pizza in this movie. Well, it had Except been when they try to make pizza in feudal Japan, and it just doesn't go right. And he burns it. And, and we uh, and, and thankfully, we don't have to see them actually inventing it and then changing the timeline so that... Uh, so that Japan invents pizza instead of Greece. And you don't have a scene where the turtles are fed food, and they eat it, and they go, mm, that's pretty good, what's that? Sushi. What's sushi? Raw fish. Oh, gross. I'm sure they, living in New York, I'm sure they know what sushi is. But that sounds like a scene that could have been in one of these movies. It, it, that would have been sushi that. sounds like something they would put on their pizza once in a while. Like, they order up for sushi <laughs> and pizza, and then you get a Thai pizza with sushi, I think that. But then is it really... I just think melted cheese and tomato sauce and raw fish is a weird combination. Like, I love myself some sushi, but... No, that's why you do it as a Thai pizza. You have to do... Well, what you do is make sure you got your pizza cold. Like, pull it out of the fridge, mm. slap sushi on it. What do you mean by a Thai pizza, Thrasher? Hey, can we... Uh, thai pizza, it's 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 a pizza, but... Uh, it, it is a pizza, but instead of what we would normally think of ingredients... Uh, it's it's a bit lighter on the cheese, but instead of sauce, it's a Thai peanut sauce, usually with some whole Thai roasted peanuts, uh, onion sprouts, and uh, usually a Thai chicken. I've never seen it's, that before. It is an excellent pizza. Uh, of all, if you can call it a gourmet pizza, then it's my favorite gourmet pizza. Mm-hmm. I haven't had one in years, 
but it is worth it. It is so worth it. But sushi would go on that well, I think. Yeah, I was trying to look for behind-the-scenes information on uh, this Ninja Turtles 3 movie, and there's nothing out there. No no featurette from the video release. The DVDs have there's absolutely... Nothing on the DVD. No, they just have the trailer. Like, that's it. Like, nothing... Ninja Turtles 2 has nothing on the DVD. Even the original Ninja Turtles movie has nothing on the DVD. Like, it's surprisingly sparse, considering that the Ninja Turtles as a franchise has been around for almost 30 years at this point, frankly. They, they did a Blu-ray release, uh, BJ, um, I think about two years ago, and it, no special features really except for uh, TMNT, sorry, TMNT, the uh, 2007 animated film. But um, I, actually, I really love the voice cast on that. Like we were talking about voice casts. Yeah. And even though it's like nobody's the same, I really like the voice cast one. Yeah, it's good. We'll get into that more next episode. But it'll it'll be interesting to see what you think of it, Thrasher. Uh, so, um, any last things about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3? Um, I, I think I've said about all I particularly need to say. Uh, it would be a fun movie to do a live audio commentary for if we ever want to. <laughs> Do do another one of those, but uh, but I, I was all right. BJ, I, I think it's a very enjoyable Ninja Turtles movie, but it doesn't deliver on some of the things that it really could go into. I think um, this film, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Three, is okay. It could have been worse. It's my least favorite out of these live action movies. Um, what's something nice I can say about this? It's better than Next Karate Kid. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, th- I think it's serviceable, and uh, you know if you like Ninja Turtles, you're gonna see this movie anyway. So, it's kind of neat seeing them in the setting, but they don't they don't do as much with it, I think, as they could have. It's kind of a wasted opportunity. Uh, if you don't like it and you sit through it, you it'll pay off when you watch TNMT. Will it? Yeah, there's there's some references. What I love about that movie is they have a whole scene where they have a trophy room. And you got the Shredder's helmet, and the Time Scepter, and the Ooze. Oh. You know, I never noticed that, but often to... I am I am looking forward to this movie more and more. Yeah, I'll have to have to check that out. I feel a real good episode coming. Have to have to check it out when we watch that one uh, for next week. So, uh, SequelCast, you can check us out sequelcast.com. Look us up on iTunes, on Facebook, you can look up SequelCast, and uh, there's been sort of a a growing uh, fan community on the Facebook sequel cast page. We had some neat behind the scenes stuff I put up on there from uh, Talka, uh, uh, a news, uh, one of the news people in charge of uh, Mikey's TMNT.com, where he revealed that the Toka character from Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze was apparently an unused toy concept created by a comic book artist, S.R. Bissett who uh, is a guy that helped create the character of Constantine and was one of the artists on the Alan Moore run of Swamp Thing. So there's Ooh. a neat piece of that original concept art. For, uh, that would explain why Toka looks way cooler than Razor. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Toka looks uh, looks really cool. That's one thing I like about Ninja Turtles uh, 2, Secret of the Ooze. Um, so, you know, you can post comments and talk with us on the SequelCast Facebook page or send us an email, sequelcast at gmail.com. Um. Okay, what should we say to close this out? We didn't make another funny. No. Yeah, that's true. This film doesn't end with that with with a reference to making the funny. Oh, it has Splinter but, acting yeah. like Elvis. Yeah. Okay, I guess that counts. 
Um, I, I guess I guess I would have liked you know like him like saying something and everybody groaning. Okay, you tried to make a funny, and then mm, end it yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that'd be cute. Um, how should we end this? Eclectic. Boss Nova. That's from a different movie. Uh, when did they it, say it, that? That's from Ninja Turtles too. It's a, the wrong reference. Oh. Um, you know what? We don't. There's not a whole lot of that weird server speak in this one. No, not compared to the other ones. That's a good point. I'm trying to think how we should end this. There's no like quote from this movie that stands out. No, no particular. Uh, just, just you know. <laughs> what? Be, be what careful. But the, the most uh, standout. Yeah, thing. I think we should do Wet Willie. That's a good idea. Stay away from ancient Japanese egg timers. You don't want those ancient Japanese egg timers. You don't know where those eggs have been. Um, so <laughs> let, let's do. That joke doesn't even make sense. It's not even a joke. Let's let's You're do right. yeah. <laughs> let's do uh, Wet Willie. So okay. this is uh, Uncle Milkshake, Thrasher, and BJ saying Wet, wet Willies. <laughs> so uh, tune in next week on Sequel Cast to hear us talk about TMNT, the 2007 CG uh, animated picture, as well as uh, we'll touch on the comics, the cartoons, the video games, all that. It'll be a jam-packed episode. The sequel cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Cascadia.fm online, internet streaming radio. You can also download episodes of the sequel cast from www.sequelcast.com.